I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Of all the things I've ever learned, and you know, I've been, I've studied a lot, been to seminary, been in school and training and everything for this. And theology has been my, my life. Uh, you know, I, I think about it constantly uh, for 25 years. I mean, it's the passion the Lord has given to me. And it's always running in the background. Everything is always running and, and connecting and, and thinking through and how to associate. Uh, that's just the way that I am. Um, but of all the things that I've ever learned from other people, of all the things that I've ever been taught, of all the things that I've ever gone to school for, classes that I've taken, and, and so on, books that I've read, um, and, and any type of formal training that I've had, one thing that I've never had, and I've never even heard of, I've never, I, I don't know that uh, anybody has ever had this type of training, especially in evangelicalism, but something just about, only about, embracing mystery. You see, I think, I think sometimes what, what goes wrong in theology, what goes wrong in systematic theology, what goes wrong in apologetics, what goes wrong in just our understanding and belief about God is that we think we have everything put together so well. There's a, there's a revolution that happens in our mind, an enlightenment that goes on whenever we first discover that we can learn theology and we can know things and there's this deeper level. I grew up all my life uh, a Christian under the tutelage of my mother and I knew basic Christianity but uh, whenever I whenever I saw first saw somebody teaching theology and and the understanding the history of theology and the understanding of how it, it developed and each doctrine developed and, and the the things that are heretical and the things that are that are true I mean my mind just went wild I was so excited that, that's when I decided this is what I'm doing the rest of my life because this is the most exciting thing I've ever been through and it is it really is this doesn't take away any of that but sometimes when we go through that you've seen it I've seen it it's all over the place there's some type of, I don't know, arrogance, systemic arrogance that sets in. And it sets in, uh, in, in individual groups. You know, whether you're, you're a dispensationalist or a covenant theologian. Whether you're a pre-trib or post-trib. Whether you're a belief in, in um, six-day creation or, or a... Uh, old earth creation or an evolutionary creation there's some type of of arrogance that sets in to where you believe you've got it right and not only do you believe you've got it right you believe you got it as right as you can get it you see that's kind of that's kind of the thing i i think in so many ways um we're we're not as right as we think we are 
I'm not saying we're not right. I'm not saying we don't trust in the things we do. I'm not saying we don't teach theology, systematic theology. I'm not saying we don't we don't look at it and say, hey, this is stuff we have to learn. This is basic Christian discipleship. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that we we, we can only go so far until we at least have to punt to mystery and embrace this mystery. Yeah, I don't think punting the mystery is right because punting uh, it says you know you're 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 somehow uh, giving in, you're somehow uh, giving up the fight as if you you're supposed to fight, but you're just giving up. It's not that there's this a celebration of mystery, this this past mystery um, that you have, not a punt to mystery, but a past to mystery that you have, and you you embrace it with great excitement. You see, we don't really know as much as we think we know. We've got a lot of things correct, but there is this thing in the Bible, and a thing in the world. I mean, it's just, it's evident in the world, but there's this, this great mystery out there. There's the Bible that talks about the secret things that belong to the Lord. For those of you who have taken the theology program and been around me, uh, much you know, I love that verse because there there are the secret things that belong to the Lord, but there are also those things that have been given to us, and we need to we need to learn to embrace both. A lot of some theologies out there, and the reason why I said this was mainly in evangelicalism is be or it's mainly in the Western theology that doesn't embrace mystery because the Eastern world does embrace mystery. They they do look at to, towards things and. And back off and say, well, there's only so far we can go, so let's be very careful with our words. And I think there's a great uh, nobility to that, a theological nobility to that, that you have to embrace. Uh, but I think they're wrong, because because that's all they usually have. It's their focus. And they, they don't really go to those things that, that um, are revealed, uh, that Deuteronomy talks about. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the little things revealed belong to us and our ancestors forever and ever. Uh, and you got to have that balance of the things revealed and the secret things. And the things revealed you can be confident in. But also you got to leave room for the secret things because there are those secret things. Western church embraces knowledge, understanding, systematic theology. We've got more systematic theology books than I that I can count. I mean, it, there's a new one that comes out every every six months that is a major systematic theology release that I have to get, have to go through. All about the same, you know, nothing new, nothing big new that comes out, but that's what we do because we think we can understand it this way. And we can. We can. As long as, as long as these systematic, this is the thing that miss I miss. Is, is this idea of mystery. I mean, just almost a prelude, a, a prologue, a prolegomena. Before anything else, you've got to say this. you got to say, listen, I'm going to teach you a lot of really good stuff. I'm going to explain to you a lot about Christ, a lot about God, a lot about the Trinity, a lot about what happened on the cross. But you know what? We don't really know that much. Or we're not really uh, that settled on these things. Maybe we're settled in the direction we point. When we say Christ died for our sins, you know, we use that preposition for as a substitutionary, uh, in a substitutionary way. He, he died in place of, the Greek word huper, he died on behalf of, 
us, but we don't really know that much about what who pair means, what four means. And we try to we try to take that apart and think about it and say, what happened on the cross? How did he die for our sins? And if we if we get too assured about that, then that's when I back off and I say, hey, 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 wait a minute. You're you're encroaching upon the secret things. You need to be careful at this point. Because that is that is just too far. We don't embrace mystery enough. And this is the thing, this is not just a problem in theology. This is a problem in so many areas across the board. If you think about all the problems that we have in society or in families and everything else, it's always that we're too we're too arrogantly assured of things. You know, we, we draw lines too much, too too deep of lines. And, and we draw lines that where, where they shouldn't be drawn. And we, we're the know-it-alls. And, and everybody thinks they know the things that they know, that they separate because they know enough to separate. They, they believe enough to separate. They, they, they think that they're right and the other people are wrong. Therefore, separation is justified in whatever it may be, whether it be friendships or family or husbands and wives or, or theologians, uh, Calvinists, Arminians, whatever it may be. We, we separate because of that. And I think we just got to be so careful. I think there is a great humility that we can bring to all areas of life. Humility, I think, is the, is the greatest virtue. I do. I think it's greater than any virtue out there. I think arrogance and pride are the opposite of humility, and it's the ugliest thing that you can find in somebody, and it's what comes natural to us. Even in our theology, it comes natural. We get it all figured out. We're right. You're wrong. Uh, and humility is just the, the most beautiful thing that you can see in somebody else. And it catches you by surprise every time. And every time you see it in somebody else, whenever you see real humility, deep humility, you, you stop and you go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And you, you get this little conviction. You're like, I wish I was more like that. That is, that is really. Then you forget. Then we go right back to our pridefulness. Humility is an incredibly wonderful thing to bring to theology. And this is, humility is necessary for mystery to exist. They both go hand in hand. For us to understand that God is, God is much bigger than our words. God is much bigger than our sentences. God is much bigger than our systematic theology books. He is. There's a lot more to it. Does not mean that we cannot point in the right direction. Does not mean that you cannot be, uh, you know, uh, you cannot believe individual aspects of theology um, that are that are uh, controversial. Does not mean you can't be a young earth creationist or an evolutionary creationist. Doesn't mean that you can't, you know, be a, a be someone who believes in substitutionary atonement and believes that Christ died for our sins. That does it, I'm not saying that. I'm not telling you to let go of those things. I'm just telling you to understand. There's more to the story. There's usually more to the story, and it's bigger. God is bigger, and I think we can celebrate that. We pass to it, and we get excited. It's not a sad thing. It's not a sad thing that bigger God is bigger than our words, bigger than our minds, bigger than our books. It's something to celebrate all the time. And it's something that unifies us as well. Because, because suddenly you begin to, there, there, there's some central things that you hold onto a lot more tightly. You know, that, the, the, 
the things that are not the secret things, the things that have been clearly revealed. But it's very obvious, people. Get this in your get get this through your theology. I mean, this is gonna this is gonna rub a lot of you guys wrong, uh, because you you think what I'm saying here is not what I'm saying. But a lot of God's word is not very clear. He was not as clear as he could have been. He could have told us more clearly about certain things. He could have extended uh, his our understanding about certain things, but he didn't want to. There's some things he did. There's some things he was very clear about. I think he's very clear about who Jesus is, but he's not very clear about how Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit relate in the Trinity. We, we do our best we can. We talk about, you know, the the uh, uh, one God, three persons. We talk about the perichoresis. We talk about the, the eternality of the Son. We, we go all these things and just kind of extend it. And, you know, th those things are fine as long as you understand a lot of this stuff is mystery. And we may be pointing in the right direction, but it doesn't mean we got it all figured out. That's why I love the universe. I mean, the universe should be a an illustration of all our theology and all the way we think. Uh, science should be like this. Unfortunately, science is caught up in the same stuff that theology is. You you get into science, you get into discovery, and uh, people just you know they got it all figured out. Here's how humanity came about. Here's what the universe is like. And that's fine, but it's probably a lot bigger than that. There's probably a lot more to it than this. We're always we're always discovering more. We don't have all the data. That's the problem. I mean, it's it's not the only problem, but it's a big problem. In order to formulize a theory of anything, you got to have the right data, and you got to have enough data. And normally, we don't have enough data. We don't have enough information. Or we may have enough information to, to put together a tentative theory of things, of all things. But uh, there's all, all kinds of things that can come in that, that expand our minds on this. And I think the universe is a great illustration of this, as the universe is just such a great mystery out there. We don't know what's going on. We don't know how things work. We don't know what the laws, how the laws extend into other, other galaxies and and we don't know how, uh, you know, what, 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 what exactly is out there. We're not sure. And so we, we leave this to mystery. We leave it open to discovery. Therefore, we hold on to our, to our understanding and our theories tentatively in some cases. Some cases much more strongly, but tentatively uh, in other cases. And in our theology... Why, why can't we embrace this? This is our God we're talking about. This is the infinite God. This is the inscrutable God. The one who is beyond our understanding. This is the one that we believe uh, knows all things, is all things, uh, as far as uh, before all things. I mean, he is, uh, I mean, how, how, how do we explain these things? How do, how do we explain God's eternal existence? He exists outside of time. I mean, I, I really believe that. I hold on to that part of it tightly, but I don't hold on to anything else beyond that tightly. I don't understand what that means. I just know that he has to have been outside. He has to be outside of time. He has to have created time. And I don't know what it means to create time. And I don't know what it means in his relationship time to time. 
but I, I just I just take what I understand. I take the data that I've been given, and I insert that as best I can. And in humility, I formulate a theology on these things. So uh, do I understand in my in my Calvinistic beliefs? Do I understand? Uh, is it easy for me uh, whenever whenever somebody says uh, uh, whenever I say that? Uh, uh, I believe that God loves everybody, but he only chose the elect. He only chose a few, but he wanted everybody. And he, but he only chose just those who he loved in a particular way. I don't know. I don't know how to understand that. I don't, I don't have something that is in my mind that, oh, if you could just get inside my body and inside my, my mind, you would see how easy it is to understand this. It's not. It's not at all. It's not for anybody. And if anybody acts like it is, they're wrong. They're lying. They don't got it figured out. They're just in some state of denial. They block things out because they don't like mystery, because they don't like saying, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to relate a lot of this stuff. I hold on to some things very tightly, some things less tightly, and some things loosely. But I'm so excited. And I, I wish we all could be. I wish we all could be excited about mystery, about the mystery of life, about the mystery of, of, of everything that we have that we embrace, about the mystery of our relationships here on earth, about the mystery of our, of our life uh, going forward, what, what it is that God has planned for us, uh, the embracing of the excitement of mystery in every single way, should be something. We, we can't, though, because we're, we're too prideful. We're too, we want everything figured out. We like all of our ducks in a row. And if mystery comes in, we don't have all of our ducks in a row. We, we get messed up. We, our minds don't work right. And so we try to fix it. And we, we jettison anything that causes disturbances. We fix the theology if it causes us to smoke out the ears. Even if the data is correct, even if the data we're inserting is right, we'll change it. We'll change things around because it's not working right. It's creating too much of a too much of a void of of uh, mystery, a too much of a void of non-understanding, a too much of a void of, uh, of paradoxical things, and we don't like that. That's why I do I do like many times whenever we're, we're looking at theological issues. I do like those who who embrace the mystery rather than solve it. I, I see a lot of theologies out there that will solve mysteries. That will their, their their mind can't understand it, so they they do everything they can to to fix it and jettison something else and get rid of something else. Um, I, I think that whenever people talk about uh, the God's sovereign election and human freedom, those two cause your smoke to go out yours when we put them together well they can't really people can't really be free if god elects people god's eternal election and his eternal love for everybody well th that can't go together uh, unless he chooses everybody and he didn't so uh that that can't be right there's got to be something else to it people can't embrace the mystery they can't just let it lie and i think that god God wants us to in so many cases. You've got to find these places in your life and in your theology where God is setting you up. He's setting you up. He's testing. He's saying, hey, are you going to embrace the mystery or not? Are you going to solve it? 
Because once you solve it, you're outside of the truth. That's what I think a lot of times. I'm saying I understand every time or know every time. But I think the more that that there are things that are in the Bible that are clearly taught, and then, then they create a paradoxical situation, people come in and solve it, I think the solving of it is the is the uh, uh, the, the, the the produces the antithesis to the truth. I think the leaving it intention. A lot of things we have to leave intention. A lot of things we we're just not going to know. The mystery of life. We don't know a lot of stuff, and we don't like it. We can't live within the mystery. Certainly. If it drives us crazy, if we hate it, we can't celebrate it. And you get to a point, like I said, where we're not punting to it, we're we're passing to it. We're excited about it. We love that we don't understand it all. It's a big part of our theology. We we teach an entire class on the mystery of God, on the ineffability of God, of the inscrutability of God, of the mystery of God. I mean, just think of that. Just think of what, what a cool thing that would be. An entire class on how to embrace mystery. Now, you probably have to have some type of prolegomena class where you just introduce the subject and then later on have some time, a more fuller class because I don't think until experience, you know, you, you've experienced understanding systematic theology and gone through many classes that you can really see what things uh, require mystery. You have to you have to have some time in theology. You have to have some time studying. So probably in introducing to it uh, as a prolegomena, one of the first things that you do before anything else. That's what prologue is, and uh, you, you tell people it's part of initial discipleship to embrace mystery, and then later on have some type of class course, um, uh, teaching book, whatever on how now to embrace mystery. Because you've seen it. You've seen the troubles. And we have to go through this over and over again. This is something we have to be reminded of over and over again. There's a mystery. There's a mystery. The secret things belong to the Lord. Let those belong to the Lord. Celebrate them belonging to the Lord. There's many other things that Christ said and did that would fill up all the books of the earth if we wrote about them, but these, only these have been written uh, so that you might have eternal life. Why? So that you might have eternal life. Why is that so important? Because that's a center thing. What about all those other things? I want to know about everything. Well, not yet. We can't know about everything yet. Well, we'd learn about everything in heaven. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. I mean, we can't certainly learn about everything. We're not going to be omniscient like God. We're not going to have uh, a knowledge of everything the way God is. But I think, well, uh, man, that's going to be one of the classes we take in heaven, right? When we get there, right? When we get to the new earth, it'll be mystery 101. Finally, how you can embrace it, how to, how to, uh, uh, how to see it as, as a great thing, how to see it as not an enemy. Because for the rest of our lives uh, here on earth and in eternity, that mystery will be there. But we will learn to celebrate. It'll be a great thing. I mean. It's one of the greatest things. I got a, I got a, uh, a friend who is, <laughs> a, a friend who is a uh, flat earther. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, you know he, he believes in the flat earth. And one of the things he tells me whenever we talk about it is that uh, it has it has made God 
so much more real to him. And all I could think the entire time was how much smaller that would make God. He's like, no, but God is, you know, the earth is the center of the universe and the sun and the stars and the moon and everything. They're only, a, you know, just miles up and the, there's no outer space. There's no such thing as outer space. There's no such thing as other solar systems. It's just all right here. I'm like, wow, that just shrunk God down big time. It looks like you're trying to get rid of the mystery. You're scared of the outer space. You're scared of all that stuff that's out there. You're scared of the great beyond, and you're solving it the best you can. I do think that's why a lot of you, if you notice the, the big flat earth movement, a lot of these people are Christians, and they're just trying to solve. They don't like the mystery. They don't like how big everything is. It, it, it disturbs them. And they think somehow the disturbance creates a, a reason not to believe. And that's just not true. It's just not true. Built in to the very idea of God is mystery. Because we are finite creatures worshiping an infinite God. And we should expect there to be a, a, a great field of mystery in every area that we can discover. Galaxies beyond galaxies, space beyond space, they shouldn't disturb us. We should celebrate it. So, build in, build in. Somehow, we need to build into our theology this mystery, this component, and a celebration of this component. Theology 